Hello, and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Benny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Elder Health Connection. I'm Caroline Morris. And today we are talking about grief. Grief is something that I am actively in right now and working through. In February last month, I experienced the loss of a patient who I had been working with consistently for quite some time. And while I knew it was towards the end of his life, it still hit me pretty hard. And then 10 days later, my dog Vinny died. And similar in a sense where I knew he was not well and towards the end of his life, but it was still really hard. And so as I've been grappling with the grief, processing it, I thought I would do an episode for you all to hopefully shed some light on grief because it's something we all experience and hopefully help you if you're in a grieving process right now or in the future. So I think by now a lot of us are familiar with the five classic stages of grief which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I think what's important to know about this is they're not linear. We don't neatly progress from one phase to the next. They are often overlapping. And if you're like me, you just ping pong through them seemingly in no order or reason. Sometimes I get to acceptance first and then go backwards through the list or bounce around from phase to phase, often not even realizing it. And there's no right timeline for grief and there's really no way to escape it. I've found, I've certainly noticed myself going back into some of my old coping strategies and habits, which are varying degrees of useful temporarily and not always the healthiest long-term, but at least I have a little bit more awareness now so I can catch myself before I spiral too much. I think also I've learned how to sit with the feelings and let them happen a little bit more than I used to, whereas before I would just want to shove it down, bottle it up, not let anyone know I was hurting. And as I've gotten older and hopefully wiser, the phrase that the only way out is through plays through my mind a lot. I've also started to recognize that I was grieving before these deaths occurred. And as I 
looked into it more, I realized there's a term for it called anticipatory grief, which is grief that happens before death. Usually when we know that death is coming for someone, it is particularly prevalent for caregivers because we are the ones most closely involved with the person with a life-threatening condition. And there's been some research attention on anticipatory grief, particularly with caregivers. So there was an article that came out just in February of this year. It is so newly published that I don't have full access to it yet, but I'll share the summary with you that I thought was worth mentioning. So the article is called Anticipatory Grief Prevalence Among Caregivers of Persons with a Life-Threatening Illness, a meta-analysis. So a meta-analysis is the highest form of research, and what they do is the researchers will collect and synthesize multiple previous trials. And so not only is it a descriptive summary of the previous trials, that's usually called a systematic review, but they also take the data from the trials and run some sophisticated statistics to try to come up with a more with a numerical representation of the data across all the studies. So in this meta-analysis, they ended up using 18 studies that involved over 5,000 caregivers. And they found that what's called the pooled prevalence, so that summary prevalence of anticipatory grief was just about 25%, which I found to be interesting that a quarter of us in caregiving roles for people with end-of-life conditions experience this type of grief. They went on to find that it was a higher prevalence rate in female caregivers compared to male caregivers and also higher in a married group as opposed to a single group. What was also interesting from this study is that the anticipatory grief prevalence was actually quite a bit higher than the after loss grief in the general population. So let me say that again. It was more likely there was a higher prevalence of anticipatory grief or grief before the death occurred than there was for grief after the death occurred. And as you've probably noticed, There's not a lot of support systems in place for anticipatory grief or grief before death. And I think this is an aspect of caregiver support and caregiving that doesn't get enough attention. It doesn't get talked about enough. It doesn't get supported enough. And this is something that I'm actively exploring for my programs. So if you have some experiences to share, some tips to share, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email um, to the address in the show notes. 
And I can tell you, at least for Vinny, my dog, the anticipatory grief as he lived the last days of his life was significantly more debilitating for me than than the grief after his death from a not so high quality article but more more of a summary for the the rest of us um i read that anticipatory grief tends to lead to more anger more loss of emotional control and other unexpected grief responses, um, which again, I feel like I've just lived through. And if we think about it, it's, it's a less, it's a more ambiguous time of life when someone is still alive, but they're not doing well, and you're involved to some extent, but no single event has occurred yet. So there can be feelings of grief, anger at the situation, anger at what's being asked of you, anger at how other people are behaving. Hope can get mixed in there. I've heard it said that anger can actually be a sign of hope because it assumes that there could be a better way, whereas sadness or depression don't make that same assumption that there is another option. It can also be hard to talk about what you're feeling as grief, because if someone's not experiencing what you're experiencing, they might not know or think that you could be grieving because the death hasn't occurred yet. It's also been found in a study of Swedish women that many of the women found that the period of time before their husbands died was actually more stressful than the time after they died. That's something I noticed in myself starting a few months ago was feeling more down or depressed than usual, more irritable than usual. And I wasn't really sure why. I was kind of guessing and couldn't come up with a a clear answer. And I think what I was experiencing was low levels of anticipatory grief. So that was around the time that both my patient and my dog were starting to very slowly but consistently lose some lose their physical capabilities and there would be ups and downs as there always are but the overall trend was towards decline and I think ahead of my consciousness I was starting to actually grieve at that point so that may be something to ask yourself too if you're feeling if you're in a caregiving role, you're feeling off, you're not really sure why, if maybe this could be a grief manifestation that's coming up for you. It also got me thinking the idea of grieving before a death and these low levels of grief that there can be times where we grieve when there's no death involved at all. Share another summary article that I found with you. This one's from Insider, and they name five additional types of grief that we go through, or we can go through. The first is estrangement. So this is when we feel a loss due to a change or ending of a friendship 
a romance or a family relationship. Second is a financial or world worldly loss, like a loss of financial security, losing your home, losing your job, all things like that can be something to grieve. The third is a life-changing illness or injury that could lead to a loss of physical well-being, such as the loss of the ability to walk, drive. And this is something that I see a lot in my work as a physical therapist. A lot of my patients are in a lot of my patients are in various states of grief about the changes to their physical functioning and what it means for their life. The fourth additional type of grief is relinquishment, which they define as a chosen loss, like choosing to give up smoking, breaking up with someone. So you have chosen that. I can say I've experienced that by leaving a job, leaving a role. The last additional type of grief they add is an institutional loss where we feel a social system like a church or a company or perhaps a government fails to live up to its promises to protect you or look after you. So those five additional types of grief, again, are estrangement, financial or worldly loss, life-changing illness or injury, relinquishment, and institutional loss. I also did some more digging because I felt like this wasn't a complete list and found a more broad topic of what's called ambiguous loss, including grieving expectations, which is something that is alive and well for me right now too. There, I think we all come to points in our life where we realize things didn't work out the way we planned, the way we expected. And there can be some grieving that needs to be done there. I think also now coming up on the two-year anniversary of lockdown, there's a lot of expectations we had for our lives that in those two years that may need to be grieved. I find these anniversary times can be a little bit harder for me when I start to reflect back and realize what life is now isn't always what I expected. You may be feeling something like that too. And I find it helpful to frame all of these different experiences and your reactions and responses to them as grief, because I find it helps to make it more of a process to work through and less of something's wrong with me or something's wrong with everyone else. To me, calling it grief, working through it like we work through grief, accepting that there's no right amount of time to grieve, that it's going to be up and down for a while can lead to more healing and ultimately feeling better than trying to stifle everything and having it manifest in other aspects of our life, whether we become physically ill, we aren't showing up well in our work or in our relationships and not having downstream consequences. I think if we can tell people what we're experiencing is grief and we can tell ourselves that what we're experiencing is grief and seek out the support we need, that that can, like I said, it can help us to heal. So I know this is 
perhaps not the most uplifting episode. I'm still very much in it myself. Grief isn't always easy to talk about, but I think naming it is the first step. And if you find you're really struggling, please reach out to a counselor, a trusted friend, a medical professional for help. I'll link the crisis support hotline as well if you feel that you are in quite a dangerous situation with your grief. And while I think we can be hesitant to talk about it because we don't want to bring other people down, I think this is the way that we heal ourselves and we heal each other. So like I said, I'm in it right now. I'm very actively grieving. And if you are too, would like someone to talk to, to write to, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to have that conversation with you and we can all heal together. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline. Caroline.